a stronghold in the day of trouble. Isn't that him this morning? And I appreciate him. I appreciate the presence of God already in this place this morning. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with us for a few moments to the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter number 52. Isaiah chapter 52. And I hope you'll stay with us after the service this morning. We do have a meal prepared. And uh, if you're visiting, we hope you'll stay with us this morning as well. We have plenty of food. And so uh, we want you to enjoy the good time of fellowship. If you're able to stand with us this morning, Isaiah chapter 52. And I want to read the last three verses and then read into Isaiah 53 this morning and bring the message that God has laid on my heart. You know, I stand amazed... Both these songs that were sung this morning, how they fit the message. And, uh, you know, we don't ever plan those things, but the Holy Spirit knows what we need, when we need them, and how we need it. And so it amazes me how God puts things together. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse number 12. The Bible said, For ye shall, or verse number 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, and the kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not, had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had no, done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grieve. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the good Sunday school hour. Thank you for the opportunity to give this morning in the offering. And I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word, speak to our hearts, save sinners. We do ask this morning. And we ask, Lord, that you would encourage and, uh, those that may be discouraged and strengthen the weary. Most of all, we ask that you would get the glory and the honor that's due to your name. And we'll love you and we'll praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning out of verse number 13 of chapter 52 where the Bible says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. 
You know, it's interesting because we've been preaching on this subject of making much of Jesus. And when, Paul, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And when John the Revelator saw Jesus in Revelation chapter number 5, he said, Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And here we have in this text this morning that word that appears again as he says, Behold, my servant. I want to preach this morning on this subject on Christ, the suffering servant of God. Christ, the suffering servant of God. I think there's not a greater chapter in all the word of God, especially when it comes to the Old Testament than Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah describes in this graphic detail the crucifixion of Christ, 800 years before it actually occurs and as he opens chapter 53 in verses 1 and 2 he gives us an overview as he talks about the facts of Isaiah's message and the facts of Isaiah's Messiah as he tells us that Isaiah realizes that Calvary's prediction because it is so far ahead and so amazing that few are going to believe it as he says who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed He'll deal with both his background and his beauty. As he says, he hath no form nor comeliness. Uh, and there is no beauty, he says, that we should desire him. He gives the overview. He deals with the origin of this as he talks about it in verse number 4 and verse number 10. He talks about who is responsible for the death and the suffering of Christ. Uh, he says in verse number 4 that it's the Messiah, Messiah's foes uh, as he denies uh, or as he dies for the sins uh, those uh, my friend that hate him and may I say that was you and I we were without hope and without God uh, in this world before we met him and then he talks about the one uh, that crucified him uh, being that of the father as he says in verse number 10 that it pleased the Lord uh, to bruise him and so he gives the overview he gives the origin he talks about the ordeal in verse number three, 5 and 6 in verse number 8 and you see Isaiah goes in the vivid detail of the crucifixion of our Savior he talks about how that he would be belittled in life and he would be brutalized in death and he gives as he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief he's rejected and despised of all men as he talks about this ordeal he mentions in verse 7 his obedience as he is a sheep that is led to the slaughter as he comes before the uh, comes before a sheep before a sheep done and he opens not his mouth. Uh, Philippians chapter number 2 said uh, uh, that he humbled himself uh, and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ uh, submitted himself to the Father's will submitted himself to the cross of Calvary and did the one thing uh, uh, that he had never done in life uh, and gave up his life. Amen. Uh, and so we see the obedience uh, and the ordeal and the outcome. Uh, but we are in verse number 10 as he talks about in verse 10 through 12 he tells us that his death assures spiritual life for countless multitudes it's because he died thank God we live amen it's because he gave his life you and I have eternal life this morning I want to tell you the outcome is that he was raised again and thank God we enjoy the fruits of that sacrifice thank God he didn't stay dead but 
three days later, he come up out of the grave. Thank God he's not at Calvary, but he rose again. And because he's alive, one day on that resurrection morning, thank God, when all the dead in Christ, they're gonna rise. And what a meeting we're gonna have in the air. And verse 12 says, he is honored by the Father for his greatness. In Philippians 2 and verse number nine, the Bible says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself, and the Father highly exalted him. Amen. Isn't that what chapter 52 and verse number 13 says? Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Amen. Hey, that is him this morning in chapter 53 and verses 1 through 3. It's all about the Savior in chapter 53. The suffering servant of God. He is the servant of God, but he suffered like no man had ever suffered before. And the Bible tells us that in verse number 14. But my friend, when you think about Isaiah 53 this morning, we see the Savior. Everything is about Him. Amen. In verses 1 through 3, we see the scorning of the Savior. In verses 1 and 2, we see the showing of the Savior. In verses 3 through 5, in verse number 8, and even in verse number 10, we see the suffering of the Savior. In verses 4 through 6, we see the substance of the Savior how that he took our place he died for me and he died for you in verse 9 we see the sepulcher of the Savior in verse 7 we see the submission of the Savior in verse 11 we see the salvation of the Savior in verse 12 we see the splendor of the Savior and then in verse 12 we see the summary of the Savior Amen. I'm telling you this morning Jesus Christ is the suffering of a servant of God in this text this morning. We've not suffered like he suffered. My friend, he not only suffered at Calvary, but Jesus Christ, do you realize he suffered from the time that he came into this world? John tells us that he was rejected. Amen. Even Isaiah says here that he was rejected. He was despised and rejected of men. He was rejected by his nation in John 1 and verse 11 when the Bible says he came unto his own, but his own received him not. In Luke chapter 4, we preached from that text last Sunday, he was rejected by his own hometown. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 21, he was rejected by his friends. In John 7 and verse 5, he was rejected by his family. In John 7 and verse 1, he was rejected by this religious world. Jesus Christ suffered rejection in this world. He suffered temptation by Satan. In Luke chapter number 4, the devil tempted him. And the Bible says that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Christ suffered rejection. He suffered temptation. He suffered ridicule. 
ridicule because of his hometown. In John 1 and verse 46, they ridiculed him because of his background. In John chapter 8 and verse 41, those Pharisees said, we be of Abraham's seed, indicating that Christ was an illegitimate child. But he was not. He was the son of God. My friend, he didn't have Joseph's blood and he didn't have Adam's blood in him, but he had the blood of God. Amen. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost in a virgin's womb, but he suffered ridicule. He suffered threatened, being threatened constantly. When you think about it, in Matthew chapter 2, from the time that he was born, he was threatened by Herod as he slaughtered every child that was two years and under, but God took care of him. Again in Luke chapter 4, when he announced his call to preach in his hometown, they took him out to the brow of the hill and they tried to kill him. He was threatened by his own people. He was threatened by the Jews because he healed on the Sabbath day in Luke chapter 6 because of his claims to be God in chapter John chapter 8 because of his own preaching. What about that? The sermons of Jesus raised up a crowd that threatened him in Matthew chapter 26 and in Mark chapter number 12. Jesus was threatened because of his miracles in John 11 and verse 53. Many of the Jews believed when Lazarus came out of the tomb that day and the Pharisees got together and said we've got to do something about this. We've got to stop this man. I'm going to tell you you can't stop God. Amen. You can put him on a cross and you can put him in a tomb but he'll come out victorious on the other side. He was threatened by his miracles. He was threatened by the devil. Amen. Jesus suffered being threatened constantly. He suffered being homeless. In Matthew chapter number 8, Jesus said unto them, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying he is of the suffering servant of God and he suffered all throughout his life. Amen. You see, we think he just suffered at the cross sometimes. Jesus suffered in every way that a man could suffer. He suffered being betrayed by a follower in John 13. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. What about Jesus loving Judas in spite of how Judas was going to treat him? Sometimes we... Look at how people treat us and we despise them. Jesus loved him knowing that he would betray him. I think real Christianity is doing people right even when they've done you wrong. You say, well, you know, they they did this and they did that. might be true, but you've got to love them in spite of what they've done. Jesus suffered being denied by a friend in Matthew 26 and verse number 58, chapter of Mark chapter 14 and verse 54. He suffered being misunderstood by his own disciples in Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 16. He suffered being forsaken by all in Matthew chapter 26. The Bible said, but all this was done that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Can you imagine everybody walking away? He suffered being 
misquoted in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 61. He suffered illegal trials seven different times. Jesus was illegally tried. Listen, his first trial was before Annas in John chapter 18. His second trial was before Caiaphas in Matthew chapter 26. His third trial was before the Sanhedrin in Matthew chapter 27. His fourth trial was before Pilate in Matthew 27 in verse 2. His fifth trial was before Herod. As soon as Pilate found out that Jesus was a Galilean, he sent him to Herod. Herod couldn't do nothing with him because Jesus wouldn't speak to him for cutting off the head of John the Baptist. Amen. I'm telling you, when he cut the preacher's head off, he sealed his doom and went to hell. And so Herod sent him back to Pilate again and he faced a sixth trial in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 15. And finally, he was tried by the Roman soldiers in Matthew 27 when they put a purple robe on him and a crown of thorns and they said hell king of the Jews he suffered then he indicted on false charges in Luke chapter 23 he died with two criminals and he was portrayed as a criminal but our God was never a criminal amen our savior was never a criminal but he suffered and he died like a criminal he suffered being mocked by the Roman soldiers the watching crowd in Luke chapter 23 the chief priests mocked him my friend in Matthew and Mark chapter number 15 even the two themes in Matthew 27 and verse 44 said they cast the same in their teeth and then finally Jesus suffered like no man and Isaiah vividly gives us that picture he suffered torture amen in John 18 and verse 22 he was slapped in Luke 22 and verse 64 he was blindfolded in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 67 he was spit upon in Matthew 26 and verse 67 he was buffeted in Matthew 27 26 he was scourged his back was opened up all the way to his entricles in Matthew 27 and verse 30 he was struck on the head in Matthew 27 29 he was pierced with a crown of thorns and then finally in Luke 23 and John 19 in Mark 15 and Matthew 27 all four of the gospels gives account that he was crucified and he was nailed to a cross. You say brother Gravely what are you saying? I'm saying he is the suffering the servant of God and he went through every bit of this for three and a half years and even as a child he suffered all through his life. Why? He did it for you and he did it for me. Hallelujah. We don't know what suffering is do we? And Isaiah lays it out in this chapter. Jesus, the suffering servant of God. Oh, look with me this morning. In Isaiah 52 and verse 13, he is seen as the prudent servant. As he said, my servant shall deal prudently. In Isaiah 52 and verse 14, look at that verse. He's seen as the marred man. As the Bible said, his visage was so marred. In verse number 15, he is seen as the kingly silencer. As the Bible said, kings shall shut their mouth at him. In verse 1 of chapter 53, he is seen as the rejected Messiah. As he said, who hath believed our report? 
heart. Thank God in verse 1 he's seen as the arm of Jehovah as he said Who, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. In verse 2 he's seen as a tender plant. As the Bible said he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And he's seen as an independent root. As he said he's a root out of a dry ground. He's seen as an uncomely savior because he hath no form nor comeliness. He's seen as a rejected king because he's despised and rejected of men. He's seen as a man of sorrows. As the Bible says, he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's seen as a companion of grief because the Bible says in verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He's seen as the unsteamed one in verse 4 because yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. He's seen as the divine substitute in verse 5 because the chastisement of our peace was upon him. I'm glad in verse 6 he's seen as the burden bearer as the Bible said the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. I'm glad he bore all my sins at Calvary. He bore all your sins at Calvary that day. He took everything I was and every sorry thing I'll ever be and every sinful thing I ever became and he nailed it to the cross that day and he washed it away in his blood at Calvary he bore our sins he took our reproach he took our hell at Calvary that day he not only died for me and not only died for you but he died as me and he died as you that day hallelujah he's the burden bearer in verse 7 you'll notice he's the afflicted one as the Bible says he was oppressed and he was afflicted he's seen in verse 7 as the silent sufferer as the word of God said he opened not his mouth he's seen in verse 8 as the severed branch he was cut off out of the land of the living he's seen as the stricken shepherd in verse number 8 for the transgression of my people was he stricken and he's seen in verse 9 as the seeming fellow because he made his grave with the wicked amen but I'm glad in verse 9 he's also seen as the holy lord amen because he hath done no violence neither was there any deceit in his mouth in verse 10 he's seen as the sin offering because the bible said thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin and then in verse 10 he's seen as the prosperous servant amen because the pleasure of the lord shall prosper in his hand hey did you notice here how it started out real dark but the closer you get to verse 12 I'm telling you it starts out rejection it starts about crucifixion it starts out humiliation but the closer we're getting to the end of Isaiah 53 it's exaltation God is raising him up in verse 10 11 and 12 because of who he is he's the suffering servant of God amen He's seen in verse 11 as the satisfied redeemer. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He's seen as the righteous mediator in verse number 12 because the Bible said my righteous servant shall justify many. He's seen as the rewarded Jesus in verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with a grave. He's seen as the conquering hero in verse 12 because he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Hey, that's me and you. Somebody 
somebody ought to shout right there. And then he's seen as the drink offering. In verse 12, he hath poured out his soul unto death. He's seen as the interceding priest because he's going to make intercession for the transgressors. Amen. You know what Jesus is doing right now? That suffering servant of God. He suffered it all at Calvary. And now he's at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible said in Hebrews that he ever liveth. That means every second, every moment of every day in time and in eternity. Jesus has got one thing on his mind. He's got one purpose on his mind. He's got one goal on his mind. You say, what is that? That's to make intercession for me and to make intercession for you. The devil can't get to me tonight this morning because I've been washed in the blood. I've been sealed with the Spirit. Thank God I've been wrapped in His mercy. I've been baptized in His love. I've been surrounded by His grace. And I've got a big brother who intercedes on my behalf. Hallelujah. This morning, the suffering servant of God this morning. And Isaiah 53 tells us five things and I'm not going to preach because y'all would have a heart attack if I did. But I'll mention them and then we'll go eat. About Jesus as the suffering servant of God. In verse number 13 of chapter 52, he gives us the virtue of this suffering servant. He said, "My Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, cautiously, carefully. This morning, I'm glad we have a careful, cautious Savior. Then he talks about the visage of this suffering, suffering servant. The Bible said, as many as were astonished at, at thee. Notice verse 14. You ought to underline that phrase. His visage, his, his, his uh, image as a man was so marred uh, more than any man and his form before the sons of men. It means that when they put Jesus on the cross, he didn't even look like a human being. He was beyond recognition. You wonder, and I know that there was an aspect of the miracle working of God when he walked with those Emmaus disciples that they did not recognize him because Christ would not reveal himself until he was ready to reveal himself. And I'll tell you another reason on the human side they didn't recognize him because the last time they saw him, he looked like a mutilated uh, piece of, of something that was hanging on the cross. Uh, listen, even Roman scourging uh, was far beyond uh, uh, the mind of what you and I I could even imagine uh, when they would take a man and put him on the uh, put him on what they called the rack, uh, or sometimes there would be three iron pillars, uh, and they would take leather straps and they would strap his hands to those iron pillars, uh, and they would pull bow him over that iron pillar or that rack, uh, and they would tie him down, stretching the muscles and the tendons in his back uh, and in his shoulders, uh, so that they could strategically uh, pull back each layer from the skin to the muscles to the tendons uh, and work it their way down into the organs. Hey, listen, the Jews could only give 39 stripes. But you know what? A Roman could give as many stripes as he pleased. And Jesus was not scourged by Jews. He was scourged by Romans. And when they took him to the scourging post, that was no little thing when our Lord went to the scourging post. History tells us that many men gnawed off their tongue at the scourging post because the pain was so much. And many of them would die at the scourging 
Washington Post. Uh, history says that 90% of the blood uh, was lost at the scourging post. Uh, I don't believe that was the case in our Lord. Uh, but I do believe there was a trail that, read, that led from the scourging post to Pilate's Hall down through the streets of Jerusalem to the brow of Calvary and running off the cross that day. Uh, Jesus shed his blood. That's why 1 Peter says uh, when he talks about the cross uh, and by his stripes we are healed uh, of all the tortures of Calvary. He links those two tortures together. Why? Because that's where most of the blood was shed. Uh, and my friend, there was a man known as a lictor and he had in his hand what we know to be the cat of nine tails uh, that they would call it a flagellum. Uh, and that lictor would step forth uh, and what they would do is give 13 stripes down the right shoulder uh, beginning with the shoulder blades uh, working their way down to the rib cage uh, and then 13 stripes down the left shoulder working their way down to the rib cage uh, and leaving the spinal cord and the intricles for last uh, and he would peel back the flesh uh, and peel back the tendons uh, and feel, uh, peel back the muscles uh, and he would work his way down uh, and strategically expose the organs so that others could, could see. 39 stripes is all the Jews could give. Can you see Jesus on that rack? Can you see the flesh just hanging freely? Can you see the muscles and the tendons? They're just strings hanging out. And when they took him off that rack, his intricles could be seen hanging out. From the inside out, he's pulled out. With every beat of his heart, blood is squirting. I don't think it was one person that scourged Jesus. Because the book of Psalms says the plowers plowed long furrows in my back. They kept a fresh man there so that every single stripe was every bit as strong as the first one. The arm never weakened on his back. And then they took and put that purple robe on Jesus. They took that crown of thorns and that reed and they beat it on top of his head, down into his brow. His visage was so marred. They beat him. They spit upon him. Well, you think about the love of God. You think about the love of our Savior. What man, Jesus, wasn't some limp-wristed, long-haired sissy. He is more of a man than any man in this building. The Son of God was so conditioned for Calvary. He was so ready. He didn't use any uh, spiritual power. He didn't use any supernatural power. He went to Calvary as a man uh, and he died as a lamb that day. Uh, he died uh, as a simple man. Uh, I'll tell you, and then they laid that cross upon his back. Uh, the center beam of that cross is known to be 150 pounds. Uh, that cross will be anywhere from 14 to 16 feet long. Uh, it would go three feet in the ground and be at least six feet above the ground uh, at the very least. 
saints. That's why they could view the cross from afar off. It had to be high enough above the crowd. And Jesus drug that cross all the way through the streets of Jerusalem. And with every step, he was thinking about you. And he was thinking about me. And can I remind us this morning, that was my cross. That was your cross. That was my crown. That was our scourging. That should have been us. But he suffered it all because he loved me. I want to say thank God for Calvary. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the Son of God who suffered the suffering servant of God. Hallelujah. He died for us. And Isaiah talks about the visage and the value of the suffering servant in verse 1. It's an unbelievable report to the natural man. The violence of his suffering, we won't deal with it, but he talks. We've done mentioned all of it. But then finally, when we get to the end, this is where I want to say just a few words and be done. The victory of his suffering. I like that old song that says victory was won at Calvary. Victory that gave me liberty. Hallelujah. Now I can live eternally because victory was won at Calvary. Amen. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who does you wrong. The Lord never did you wrong. It doesn't matter who turns their back on you. Jesus never turned his back on you. It doesn't matter what happens in this life. If you can pillow your head and say you're saved, I'm telling you, God never did another thing for any of us. We ought to shout from here the graveyard because we're living in victory. I'm not working for victory and I'm not working to victory brother Mike but I'm working from victory oh the victory that I'll ever have it was won at Calvary that day hallelujah Jesus did not say I'm finished he said it's finished I believe hell trembled when he did that and he died like only he could die Nobody took his life. But he bowed his head and dismissed his spirit. And the Bible said in Hebrews, he through the eternal spirit offered up his own blood. He became our high priest. At that, I don't believe for one minute that blood laid on the ground for three days and three nights. I don't believe an angel picked it up because an angel wasn't worthy to touch that blood. And an angel couldn't offer the blood up. It took the priest to offer the blood on the mercy seat. And there was only one that could offer that blood. It didn't lay out there for three days and three nights. That wasn't what he was saying when he told Mary not to touch me for I've not yet ascended to my Father. I'm telling you when Jesus died the very moment he dismissed his spirit. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. That spirit took that blood. Every single drop of it, it was nowhere to be found. If the devil could have got a drop of that blood, you know he would have got it. Amen? There's no shroud over there with the blood image of Christ in it. I hate to burst people's bubble but that blood wouldn't coagulate I'm telling you that blood was fresh blood and it's still fresh right now and it's not in Israel somewhere in a museum but thank God it's on the mercy seat in the throne room of heaven and our great high priest his spirit took that blood and his soul went to the heart of the earth and his body went into the grave and he took that blood and went into the mercy seat or into the throne room and he put it on the mercy seat and for the first 
first time since Adam fell in the garden, uh, the altar was satisfied. Uh, God saw the travail of his soul. Uh, he was satisfied. Uh, he was pleased uh, with the lamb that took away the sins of the world. Uh, and thank God it was finished. Hallelujah. Woo, pray. I say hallelujah. I say bless his name. I say glory to God, to the lamb forevermore. Hallelujah. Woo, woo, praise God. Hallelujah. That's better than fried chicken. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you this morning, and Jesus didn't burn up in hell. Somebody say amen. Say he took my hell. Well, what hell he took, he took it at Calvary. He was a sinless son of God. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Uh, Jesus never spent one night uh, in the flames of hell. Uh, I'm telling you, Calvary was finished. He was the victor. He was the conqueror. You say, why did he go to the heart of the earth? I'll tell you why the book says. Uh, he went in there, number one, to take away the keys uh, of death and hell from the devil. Number two, to give gifts unto me. Uh, and number three, and on the third day, uh, to lead captivity captive. Now, I don't know this is the case, uh, but it kindly makes sense to me. You don't have to agree with this. This is my own theology right here. But that's three things that Jesus did. And he was in the grave three days. I like to think Brother Mike on the first day, he walked through the gates of hell, met the devil at the front. Amen. And the devil curled up like a defeated foe. And Jesus took the keys away from him and took over the paradise compartment of Hades. Walked in. And for about another two days, he gave gifts unto men. And thank God on the third day he said fellas let's exit this place let's go to higher ground and he brought them out praise God Woo! he brought them out Woo! he brought them out he brought them out he brought them out and one of these days he's going to bring me out and he's going to bring you out he's going to bring us all out he's going to bring us out hallelujah Woo! hallelujah Because he is the suffering servant of God. And this morning Jesus just asked a simple question that I ask us today. Is the servant any greater than his master? Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We're not to be surprised when suffering comes. But I tell you what we can't have peace about is that God, He gives peace in the midst of suffering. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. Never one time in Pilate's hall, in Herod's hall, through the streets of Jerusalem or on Calvary's brow, did Jesus ever doubt or even think defeat. During the three and a half hours of darkness, or the three hours of darkness, in the blackness of all that dark hour, when it was darker than it was in Egypt that night, God turned the lights out in the universe. And our Lord asked that great question, the fourth saying in the second prayer of the cross, when He said, Father, when He said, My God, my God, why? Hast thou forsaken me? That prayer looks almost like a defeated prayer, but it's one of the greatest prayers of faith 
in all the word of God. I'm glad Jesus asked why because we've all asked why in dark times of life. But in the midst of asking why, he never doubted the relationship. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, where's the faith at when he said, my God, my God. You see, in the darkness of Calvary, Jesus knew that fellowship had to be broken so that fellowship could be restored for us. But while his fellowship was broken, he had full confidence that the relationship was still there. He was still his God. He was still his son. And he knew that when this was over with, what had to be broken now would be restored in a matter of a moment. And Calvary restores it all as we stand this morning. Sinner, you ought to come to the foot of the cross and be saved this morning. Jesus died for you. You ought to come this morning. And child of God, you ought to come this morning and say, Lord, thank you. You don't have to come, but I mean if you feel led to come, don't. I don't want you to come just to come, but I'm, you know what I'm saying. Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for dying for me. I mean, hey, we're all sorry, Lodell, aren't we? I, I'll tell you this morning, you're looking at somebody. I'm just made of, just clay is what I'm made of this morning. Brother Laddie said it so many times. He talks about that old Gentile dog, and I thought that's all we are this morning. But the Master loves us. He gave. He gave so much at Calvary. It wasn't just what he left. But you think about what he gave, what he suffered, what he went through, the agony of the cross because he loved us. While we sing this morning, if you need to come, you come.